morning and welcome to Senegal SST Chapel. Um, that's a greeting that's commonly used in Senegal and many other Muslim majority countries. In Senegal, it's very important to greet people every time you see them. So Nate and I are going to demonstrate a series of Wolof greetings. Wolof is one of the most commonly spoken languages in Senegal. Um, what you'll notice, the English translation will be on the, on the slide, and you'll notice if you look at the translations that um, location plays an important part in a lot of the, the questions. Um, we're going to do a pretty brief greeting sequence, but greetings can be quite extended. Nangadef. Magnifi. Anamakurga. Nungifa. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Nakasubasi. Jamrek. Nakaligabi. Bachna. Santiago. I'm Brenner Burkholder, um, and I'll give you some context and history about uh, the country of Senegal. So um, in the 8th century, Senegal was part of the Ghana Kingdom um, in West Africa. You can see on this map here, uh, it's pretty much the westernmost country in Africa. Um, and there's the small country of the Gambia uh, centered right inside of it. Um, for our study, we were in Chess. You can see just it was about an hour east of Dakar. Um, for, some, for some geographical context there. Uh, so, yes, um, th there are several ethnic groups in Senegal. Um, there's the Pular, Wolof, Serer, uh, and many others. And um, they, they've been present um, in, in this area for uh, many, many centuries. Um, in uh, European imperialism affected the country of Senegal a lot. Um, in the 1580s, Dutch slave traders came um, and Senegal became known as a major port for the slave trade. Um, and uh, then the French colonial powers uh, began coming in to West Africa and actually, in fact, colonized much of uh, the country, many of the countries around Senegal. Um, and so by about 1895, the French had essentially solidified complete power of this region. And uh, in Senegal specifically, they uh, made it so it was primarily a peanut economy. And we, we saw many remnants of that uh, when we were there. And um, there, there are also lots of um, rail, railroad infrastructure for the express purpose of extracting the peanuts out of the country and then taking the, the oil of the peanut to uh, European countries where they could use it for industry. Um, however, uh, Senegalese people finally gained independence from French colonial power in uh, 1960 uh, with the formation of uh, the Senegalese state. Uh, and the first president was Leopold Sédar Senghor. <clears throat> so, uh, a major part of the culture in Senegal is religion. And 95% of, 
Senegal is uh, Muslim and 5% is Christian. Uh, and then of the Muslim majority, a majority of that is Sufism, uh, which is, it's, it's a fairly unique um, sub-group sub, uh, within Islam under, under the Sunnis. And, um, and, and so in Senegal, there are about four brotherhoods, the Morids, the Tijanis, the Kadira, and the Layan. Uh, you can see here these leaders, the guy on the top is Sheikh Ibrafal. The guy on the left is Sheikh Amadou Bamba. He's the founder of the Morids. And the guy on the right is Baba Karsai, who is the founder of the Tijanis. And what's a, a cultural value that's um, very, um, I guess, present within this type of Islam is pacifism. Uh, and I think that that's a, a narrative that we, uh, it, it was very good to see in this political climate um, of the times we find ourselves in. Uh, and in fact, Amadou Bamba, the guy on the left, uh, he, he had a, a different definition of what a jihad was. You know, you, you think in the mass media what uh, a jihad is a violent sort of thing. But it, it's a word that actually means struggle. And he applied it, you, one should jihad, the, the most important kind of struggle is against your own self and your own mind and things that make you impure and um, take away from your ability to uh, understand God and um, become a better person. So it, it, instead of focusing your jihad on the world, it is on yourself, and in that way, you make peace. Um, and I think that's a very important idea we need to remember from this place. I think there's one more picture we missed of Kyle and President Leopold Senghor. So Brenner just dropped a lot of knowledge um, on us about the context and history of Senegal. You might be wondering, how does he know all this stuff? Um, well, the crazy thing about SST is the first S stands for study. And that's one thing that uh, I was kind of taken aback by. Um, <laughs> So we're there. Um, so, like Brenner said, we spent our first six weeks in Chess, which is a small-ish city. Um, and we lived there with host families and spent five hours a day at school studying every weekday. Um, we would get lectures, actually, every day. We would have a lecture in the afternoon. And each week was themed um, towards a certain focus. Uh, for instance, the first theme was the history of Senegal, um, like Brenner just described to us. And uh, the really neat thing about this study is that we weren't always in our books, we weren't always writing or listening to lectures. We would get out um, into the country to meet people, see things, get firsthand experience. And this is what I'm going to talk to you about, our, our group trips, our weekend trips, our field trips, basically. Um, and so for our study week, we, our, our, our history week, we went to Dakar, which is the massive capital city. It's the cultural center. It's uh, the center for pop culture and commerce 
um, business. And about two and a half million people live there. Um, we actually used to do study there in previous SSTs, but since it was so large, we moved to chess. Um, Danny, can you come up here and sign in? Because it's not working. I have nothing here. Sweet. Thank you. You're the best. Um, yeah, and like um, we said, Dakar was like the gateway, or one of the important gateways into West Africa, since it is basically the westernmost part of the continent. And like I said, it's the center of all kinds of things. Um, huge marketplaces that we got to visit and shop at, um, crazy traffic, which we had to find our way through. And there was a hip-hop graffiti festival. Um, the hip-hop culture is, looms large in Dakar, and it's pretty exciting. And we spent a day there. There's Jan and Megan. And uh, we went to museums, a, a broad array of museums, and one museum we particularly interested in was the Museum of Women. And um, yeah, just, just go there sometime. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and after that, uh, we got to go play on the rocks. And we also talked to you so far about the um, slave trade, especially came out of Dakar. And Gore Island was a small island off the coast where thousands of slaves, slaves were transported through. And that was a very unique experience um, to see the fortress there and um, get lessons and lectures about that. And then for our colonialism lectures, we went to San Luis, which was about a six hour drive in the old rickety bus. And um, it's a really classic colonial city, maybe think New Orleans of the United States. And it's in the northwest corner of Senegal. And it's riddled with French influence, especially like New Orleans in architecture, food. It's a really touristy place. Also, it is a center for fish uh, trade. And here's Nate. It smelled very bad. <laughs> and check that out. That's the fishing pier. And you can see we tried to find the ocean whenever we could. Um, it was definitely a calming presence when everything around us was pretty busy. And then another week, we focused on the environment of Senegal. Um, while incredibly beautiful in many ways, the environment is the source of much con concern for the Senegalese people because of desertification and climate change. And so we visited a few NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and Beersheba is one of those that's developing new ways of growing food in Senegal's depleted soil and we got to see special irrigation systems and farming techniques at work here at Beersheba. And also we got to go to a, an animal reserve called Bandia. Uh, ironically, most of the animals are imported from South Africa because Senegal is too dry to sustain any of this wildlife. Um, but they're, they're giving it a go. They're trying to preserve an ecosystem that uh, makes it possible for these animals to live. Oh, this little monkey and her baby are native to Senegal, um, so that was pretty cute. <laughs> All the travel and lack of sleep and the heat made it so we weren't always just raring to go. We, uh, 
sometimes fell asleep while we were waiting for lunch. <laughs> and to um, further our discussion on religion, we got to go to the capital city of the Murid Brotherhood, as Brenner spoke to us about, um, Tuba. It's a really big city, um, some incredible um, building projects being done there. A lot of money, money flows through there. And it was strange in Tuba because it didn't feel like the rest of Senegal. Uh, we weren't allowed to wear short sleeves or shorts. Women had to be completely covered. And there was no dancing or music allowed in the entire city, which is definitely backwards if you look at the rest of Senegal. But it was really uh, interesting to visit this place. And to get some of an idea of the Christian population of Senegal, we went to Jouaf Fadouf where the population is about 50-50 Christian Muslim. And Jouaf was an island completely made of shells, which made it pretty beautiful. And again, we found a beach on the way back. And so now, for our final weekend trip or experience, we went to a village and spent a weekend there. So Austin will talk to you about that. Thank you, Caleb. All right, so like Caleb said, we had a lot of weekend visits over our entire SST study session, and one of them was located in a village. And coming from Goshen College, we are a very community-based college, and so we were very eager to see what community life was like in such a small context, especially in an, un in an unknown situation like, Sen like Senegal. And so, we arrived, we arrived at the village, and then the first thing was that we got bombarded with kids. We, go, we pull up in this bus, and then the kids are just compiling and piling up and piling up, and the only person that they recognize is Caleb, because he was there previously. And so, one of the, one of the, thing, one of the unique things about this village life is how generous people are. And so, for example, this woman that is to your left here, she was so generous and so humble that uh, she offered Lydia like the scarf off of her own back. And so, just the one thing about Senegalese people is that you hear about this concept of the taranga, which the taranga is kind of like this, uh, could someone briefly explain what taranga is? <laughs> yeah, it's like this whole like, hospital this hospitality, I could not think of that word. Okay, so it's this whole hospitality and they base their life on this taranga. And so as part of the taranga, this woman offered Lydia her scarf. When we uh, arrived in the village, they were going to prepare this ginormous community meal for us. And so we were all, kind, we all were very eager to join in. And so here you see Jose, Valentin, and Nate uh, help preparing uh, by cutting onions. There were also uh, vegetables to be peeled, uh, fish to be scaled and stuffed, and a, lot, and a lot of stuffing to be prepared, rice to cook. And some of us were designated uh, child distractions. And so what happened was that uh, this village has probably easily 100 plus kids. And so some of us had to distract the children that way they, we weren't bothering, they weren't bothering the adults at all for preparing this meal. And then 
So what we just saw, what we just saw there was on the left was a woman that was uh, called a griot, and what a griot is is that it is someone who specializes like in fine arts, religion, and they make their living off of like off of music, poetry, art, and then and then they're a they are like a certain uh, branch of of this uh, more of this uh, morid sect, and. As you pro as you probably saw, like to as the video was panning to the right, there was an entire community that was just have that was uh, preparing meals, and they were having a good and they were having a very they were having a very good time doing it. All right, and as we said earlier, sometimes with the heat and just the a lot of people get exhausted, especially the kids, and so. There was a point. There was a point in time to where, like, you could go anywhere and like not run into a kid. And so the kid wanted to be held. They want. They wanted to uh, just fall asleep in your arms. And at least in my like my experience for this one is that the kids were, pro were probably like in my opinion the best part of this experience, just because that they were everywhere and they were so gentle and kind. Some of us decided to play, uh, make sand castles with them. Some of us decided to share uh, techno technology and pictures. Some of, us, some of us just wanted to have, some of us just wanted to play with them. And some of us were just the favorite. <laughs> All right, and And then to end this village experience, we had to do it in the one, in the one way that we, could po that we possibly could, be surrounded by kids and have a dance party. And so what you'll see in the next, what you'll see in the next video is, well, there's a picture of us uh, dancing really quick. Ah. And then you'll see in the, net, in the, in the video that we have next is our, uh, one of our group mates, Alan, who will, who will give us a dancing demonstration. And then we have one more video from, that's all of us dancing collectively in the background with, with uh, this village hired a drum circle of about 10 to 12 members and you'll predominantly see them. As you can see Malcolm in the background. <laughs> All right, and that, all right, and so that was our village experience, and next, Danny is going to talk about our experience in the city of TS. Well, thanks, Austin. So now we've heard about um, the, over, the trips we took during study um, outside of chess. I'll talk about the city of chess now, where we did study.
Um, this is where we, we were for the majority of study approach of SST. Um, it's a city of about 600,000 people. Um, it's in western Senegal, as Caleb said, only about 70 kilometers east of Dakar, the capital. And Chess was a major railroad hub during the French colonial period. Um, and it still has train tracks going through its downtown, so it felt very homey coming from Goshen College. Uh, chess, to me, was on the whole a very welcoming place. I, I journaled for my own benefits quite often during SST, and my first entry I wrote while sitting on a concrete block, leaning against the inside of a wall surrounding the school's courtyard, um, where we did most of study. Um, I stopped many times as I wrote this first day to talk with the students playing soccer with the Goshen students and refreshing my French, trying to. Um, I also stopped to listen to the call to prayer. Let's see. Can you change the slides? There we go. There's prayer. Um, religion is a big part of Senegal, as we said. And while I was writing, too, the call to prayer started. And I, I stopped to listen from, from these words in Arabic being broadcasted from the loudspeaker of the nearby mosque. And this first time, as it was often, it was Al Akbar, God is great. Um, the school where we were doing study was the John Huffman School, um, which was a, a Christian school, and it's where we had our language and culture classes. It was an elementary school, and um, my, my host siblings went there, and my seven-year-old brother, Jeremy, and my two-year-old sister, Shayla, um, both went there, my sister went to preschool, and my host dad also taught there. He taught English and math and was the headmaster. So the school was a big part of my life as it was a big part of all of our lives. Um, and one other aspect that the school was a big part of our lives um, is that the first two days there we stayed in the guest house that was connected to the school. Um, and after those first two days we met our host families and went home with them. Jacob and Marie will soon share more about that. Um, but I wanted to share how, from my perspective, on the first day with my host family, my dad walked me to the school. This is on the route to the school. My, there are two kids walking there now. My, my dad walked me to the school, though, on the first day, went home with my family, so that I would be able to find my way there on subsequent days. So after walking me there, he uh, asked me to lead the way back to our house. Um, those of you who know me know I have an awful sense of direction, so that was really difficult for me. And, I made a number of laughable wrong turns, um, but my dad saved me always by asking me, are, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that direction? <laughs> so that, that was helpful. Um, even so, I, I got lost uh, the, the first week or so. I mostly got lost on the way back home briefly, but eventually it became natural to me and I found my way. And that walk, 20 minute walk to and from school became a natural thing to do. And really, a great part of those walks is that I got to have so many incredible conversations with people on the way to and from school who were sitting outside the houses just in chairs having conversations with people. Um, and as Taylor just shared some of our specific experiences during study, I'll share about just how our weekday schedules were pretty consistent. Um, briefly, my daily routine on a normal weekday is I would wake up at the same time as my seven-year-old brother with whom I shared a room, and then we would get dressed and enter the main room of the house where my host mom or my family's maid prepared an enormous breakfast for us. Um, for me, she always gave me uh, half, half of a full baguette with an onion omelet on it every single morning and a glass of hot sweetened milk. 
So it, it was definitely a heavy breakfast, and it was, it was to have to energize me every morning. Um, and then I would walk to school. And here's some bread. You can see bread is a big part of, of Senegalese culture. They're loading the baguettes from the bakery just into the trunk of the car and on top and inside the car to, 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 to deliver to the various bread stands across the city. So there's tons and tons of French bread. Um, but anyway, after breakfast, I would walk to school, and we would all have our French and Wolof classes. And then we always went back home for lunch. Um, so I would walk back home, and lunch was often uh, chebujan, which is Wolof for fish and rice. That was a common lunch. Um, and we always ate that as a family around one common plate, one common platter, um, which to me seemed like a beautiful symbol of unity. Um, after lunch, I would walk back to school, and we would have our culture classes. and. I always really enjoyed talking with this group um, after that, before heading back home to spend the evening with my family and then have a late dinner. Um, and I think I can say that in chess, one of the most important things for all of us was the relationships we formed with each other and with our host families. And it was difficult to leave them, but the relationships formed will continue to tie us to that city of chess. And I'm excited to hear what they have to say about that. Yeah, so Maria and I are going to talk a little bit about host families. Um, each one of us had a different host family, and we all had a very different experience. Um, but I think overall, as Austin was saying about Turanga, the Senegalese hospitality that we experienced was very present um, all the time. Uh, I had two families. My first family was Christian and went to an evangelical church that was pretty charismatic and pretty upbeat and yeehaw. Um, <laughs> And I appreciated them a lot, uh, especially my one brother in the red shirt up there, who was about my age. Um, and we did a lot of things together, played music together, and um, had good conversations. And also, I understood that family was more than just your, your immediate family. So on the left there is actually Jeremy's host brother, who was my host cousin. Um, but just that idea that it's not just your this family, it's, it's your extended family and anybody who's, who's close to you that is also part of your family, um, which was an important thing for me. My second family was Muslim. So on the left there, that's a, uh, I should change the slide first though. There we go. Um, my second family was Muslim in service. And that's my grandma on the left, looking beautiful. And then my parents behind me on the right. Um, yeah, they provided for myself and my Muslim host family, which consisted of my mom, my dad, four older brothers, um, a younger sister, another younger brother, and my host grandmother, and any other nieces, and um, a bunch of other people, about 15 people total that were living under one roof of my house, which was kind of crazy. Um, but also, again, reinforcing that idea that family is your extended family and family that is anyone that's tied to you um, and that's where you belong. Um, I really appreciated my host sister, um, but also I really appreciated the baby of the house, which her name was Nabu, and she's pretty adorable in, over there. Um, and also that idea that when you're on SST, or at least for me, that like sometimes I feel like a baby, that I don't know anything, I don't know any culture, I don't, um, yeah, I, yeah. 
So sometimes I just like, oh, me and Nabu today, we're just gonna interact without talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll let Marie talk a little about, about her host family. Um, I also stayed with a Christian family the, during my uh, study and a, a Muslim family during service. Um, so my Christian family um, consisted of two nieces that lived with my parents. And so Rosa is on the left and Reina is on the right. And Rosa was 22, so she was my age, and Reina um, was 16. Um, I didn't see Rosa that much. She was studying a lot and helping around in the house. And uh, so I formed a pretty t uh, strong bond with Reina. Um, and we would do a lot together. We uh, would go running with Lydia and Artie. Uh, we would walk to the store to get uh, baguettes and other supplies that my mom needed. Um, we would take pictures together. Um, and then we would also do homework together. Um, I I struggled to get to know my host mom. Um, I wasn't the best at communicating, especially in French, um, and Wolof was difficult too. Uh, and so the beginning was difficult. Um, she wanted me to eat a lot more than I could comfortably fit in my stomach. And I felt pretty bad about that at times. And there was an, one time in particular where um, I went to my bedroom crying because I was just it had been a hard week and I felt bad. Um, she had made me feel, I had perceived that she was um, uh, disappointed that I wasn't eating the food I was supposed to. And Rosa walked in, uh, or sorry, Raina walked in uh, when I got into my bedroom and she came up to me and she's like, Marie, don't cry, it's not, I don't like seeing you like that. And so she just stayed with me then the rest of the time um, and kept me company and that was nice. Um, but my mom was a, or runs a catering business there, and so one of the things she makes is sweet dough uh, fried in oil, and so I would get home from school and I'd have a snack. Um, and then she also uh, made the meal for our send-off, and that consisted of um, chicken and fries and um, fataya, which is a deep-fried snack filled with sweet onions, ground meat, and some spices. Um, my second host family, <clears throat> um, so my father was on the left and my mother was on the right. My father was an accountant uh, in Chies, um, but we lived in a place that was about uh, an hour away in Bor. And so he would make the trip every morning um, to Chies and then back during Ramadan. Um, and then uh, during the rest of the year, he would just stay in Chies for the, a week and then come home on the weekend. Um, and my mom was a social worker uh, at the orphanage that I worked at. So our youngest uh, sibling, my youngest sibling, her name was Aminata. She was about a year and a half. Um, she stayed away from me until the very end, the last week, which is when I got to really know her, and then she would climb up onto my lap, uh, as you can see there. Uh, Moss is in the middle, or on the left. Um, he liked to pretend he was a superhero, and so that's him standing on the table being a superhero. Uh, he was five, and Ada is on the right. He was the oldest. He was seven years old. Um, and then the two women on the right, uh, they are Nefatu and Ami. 
Uh, Nefatu is the woman who stayed with my family and was employed by them to help cook and take care of the family. And Ami was my mom's cousin, and so she was studying and uh, also taking care of the house and the children um, in the area. And so I got to know them uh, through cooking with them and just interacting. Um, and one of the big parts of um, family life is during the day, a lot of the family members are gone working, and so uh, in the evening we come together and we have a communal bowl and we share in um, food and uh, talk and just enjoy the time. Um, and so some of the food we had, uh, this would have been yasupule, uh, which is onions and chicken with green beans, carrots, tomatoes, and chicken. And the way we eat of the communal bowl is we, you put your hand in there and you grab a little ball, ball and then you ball it up in your hand like this and then you stick it in your mouth and you eat it. And so you just, you have the triangle, the way they explained it to us is you eat from the triangle in front of you. You don't reach across the tray and eat from other people's portion. We also, another popular food was chebujan, which is fish and rice pretty much, but also there were vegetables involved, and these are, this is boiling the vegetables actually at the village that we went to. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and here's some more pictures of the women at the village preparing the food. And you can see that, that giant bowl that we're about to eat out of. And there's another example, it's just more red this time. This is mafe. So mafe is a uh, peanut sauce over rice. Um, a number of our families had this. I wasn't the biggest fan of this. <laughs> Other people were. Um, and this is uh, fancy poulet, as Caleb referred to it. Um, it just has lettuce in there, um, some fries, uh, rice-based uh, cracker on the top also. Um, sometimes they had uh, olives in there and um, hard-boiled eggs. Another important ritual uh, in terms of food was ataya, which was a tea that they often drank after a meal. And this tea was like really hot and really super saturated in sugar, so it was really delicious. Um, but this was the, the way that you would go about making all those bubbles that you see above the tea is, is you take one glass and you pour it into the other glass. Um, but there's like some skill involved and I couldn't do it. Um, and that's how you get the bubbles and then you drink it and the bubbles make it better, I think. But, uh, and then we also had a time of sharing together and eating together um, with uh, our other service SST people. At Shagoshin was what it was called. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> that was Jan and Peter's house, and so uh, on Wednesday evenings we would go over there uh, and have a meal. Uh, Awa is the woman standing next to Jan, and she's the one who would make our meals. She was Artie's uh, host sister also, um, and so she made that entire meal for us every Wednesday, and it was delicious. And so after study was done, we all went to our various service locations, and um, Eliana and I went to San Luis, which you saw pictures of before. It's right in the north of the country um, on the coast, so it's really close to Mauritania, and it's actually kind of 
on some islands. So part of it is on the mainland and part of it is on islands. It's a really beautiful place. And this picture is of my service family. Um, they were Muslim and they were incredible. The woman on the left is my host mother and then there's some siblings there. Um, got a little video of my host sisters dancing. <clears throat> This is Hadi and Rochael, and they were um, seven years old. <laughs> and the little one is Feloin. So my home was a lot of fun especially because of these two twin troublemakers. Um, they were always all over the place. They loved to draw. They used my pen so much that they all ran out of ink. Um, and I loved to read to them from, do you guys know the Magic Treehouse books? They have them in French too, and it's called La Cabane Magique. And I would read to them from La Cabane Magique. We read the same book like five times over service. <laughs> um, so, we went to the beach one time. There were incredible beaches in, um, thank you, um, in San Luis, obviously, and um, so we went and played in the waves, in the really soft white sand. It was incredible. It was totally a free beach. You could just go up there. Um, the girl in the middle, that's Evelyn, and she was actually my host sister from study. And we got so close, she's 20, and we just got to be such good friends that she came out and visited me on service for a couple weeks. And so that's um, the four of us, my two um, twin sisters from service, and Evelyn um, out at the beach. Um, that's Evelyn and me. Um, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about my youngest sister, um, her full name was Salimatsu Fatsu Feluin Juf, and she had a personality worthy of all of those names. She, she was maybe like one or two, um, couldn't quite talk, but she could make all kinds of sounds. She could walk all over the place and cause mischief, for sure. Um, and this is how she eats rice. <laughs> could you start that video for me? She was very independent. She would also drink hot tea out of a, like, grown-up's mug, which I always thought was incredibly dangerous, but apparently it was okay. Um, this is another video of her dancing and twirling, which she did a lot. Okay, yeah, she was just too much. And in that video, you can hear <laughs> my host mom saying, Kikan, Lydia, Lydia, so who is, where's Lydia? And then she pointed at me and she said, Tia, which is kind of like my name. <laughs> um, 
she was always up to all kinds of mischief, so don't start that quite yet. She would um, go into my room and like take things and put them in the toilet. <laughs> More than once. Like my shampoo, my soap, like my clothing. Um, she, would, she liked to like pull chargers out of the walls or like drop phones, like mess everybody's technology up. She also one time was eating soft cheese, which we had a lot, like really soft, almost like cream cheese. And obviously, like, it was all over, right? And then she walks into my room and she starts spreading it all over my bed. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Um, so here's um, one of our favorite things in Senegal was chocopin, which is kind of like Nutella. And she's um, kind of finishing up a nice big pot of chocopin in this video. This is how we ate um, on the ground in our house, on a mat. <laughs> um, totally caught in the act. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll just always remember her from service. Um, so we're almost done. I just wanted to thank everybody for coming. Um, we've got one more video and we've got a couple announcements from Aqing. And I also wanted to give a very special shout out to Jan and Peter, who were incredible <laughs> um, leaders to us. Really, we owe you guys our lives, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for everything that you do. Announcements? Yes? Okay, cool. And then after this, we'll play a video from Yusu Ndor. So after the video, you can leave. Well, there was supposed to be a slide about International Women's Day. So, happy International Women's Day. Um, so, this evening, we will be hosting an International Women's Day convo at 7.30 in Newcomer 19. And so, this evening is called an Evening of Color. And the celebration will include a photo gallery, a short program, and a reception. And we'll have snacks, too. <laughs> Um, so, the photos are currently displayed outside the sanctuary, so please feel free to go out and check um, the pictures and the women's stories on your way out of convocation. Um, you're also invited to view the photos and write short reflections on the stories that you've seen and place them in the bowls that are on each table. So I hope to see a bunch of you guys tonight. So thank you. Have a great day. Ni ma bëgg ñan la ni ma meliyena ko waral ta